Hello, everyone, and welcome to The Taryn Show. My name is Taryn Armstrong, and I have an unhealthy obsession with podcasts, television, and podcasts about television. So I have been podcasting regularly about Big Brother and American Ninja Warrior for Rob Has a Podcast. And the best part of that experience for me has always been interacting with all of these really interesting people that podcasting has allowed me to talk to. So the idea for The Terran Show is that I'm going to go on a journey to get to know these people a little better. And hopefully in the process, anyone who listens to this podcast will also get to know these people who you've listened to, you've watched on TV. You'll get to know them on a slightly different different level than you're used to. So every week I will be interviewing a different guest from the podcasting community or reality TV world to discuss all kinds of topics. I'm very excited to be sharing all of this with you and I sincerely hope you join me on this quest of mine. My very first guest is none other than Rob Sesternino himself. Rob, how you doing? Taryn, oh my god, what an honor. Yes, truly. I, I have a show named after myself and I, I named it myself, too. <laughs> yes. Good work. Outstanding work. Uh, the never imitated Taryn show. Yeah, exactly. I'm really great at naming things. So uh, I was, you know, I, I thought long and hard and I just figured, you know, I'm so great. I should just name it after myself. That's right. I mean, you are ready to go into the Big Brother house and name alliances, uh, do the <laughs> things that Cody won't do. That is what you are ready to do on this brand new podcast. Very excited to be talking with you on uh, the first uh, experimental, very experimental podcast. Yes, truly, truly an experiment. Uh, I, I really just I had this idea that I, I work with all these interesting people um, and you know, we talk about these shows, but we don't really talk about ourselves that much. And I figured, you know, maybe people are interested, but uh, I think there's a lot of interesting stuff that can come out of this. And so I'm really excited. We're going to get all kinds of interesting people. Uh, and hopefully there's somebody that you're interested in, in hearing about. So uh, very excited to have Rob as my very first guest. I feel like uh, it's probably my my biggest get. <laughs> yeah, so far. <laughs> I, I really I when you told me about this idea for a show. It was something that nobody else had come to me with. And I do think that it's an interesting idea because we have all of these people that are sort of in our orbit where we talk so much about the games, about Survivor, about Big Brother. But there may be a lot of things that we just don't know about any of these people. And there might be things that we have in common or things that uh, we've never experienced or uh, had any idea about these people. And I really do believe that those are where the bonds are made in online relationships where it's like, OK, well, I already knew that you were a fan of this, but I didn't know that we also had this in common. And so I think that it's going to be uh, a really fun idea to uh, get to know some of these people better. Yeah. And I, and I know from because I was a listener before I was on the podcast. And when I listened to these podcasts, I felt like this was my outlet to feel like I was a part of conversations with people that I knew about shows that I liked because I didn't really know anyone in real life that watched these shows or at least watched them to the extent that the people on the podcasts did. And so I feel like I would have really enjoyed feeling like I knew these people better and that 
I could really just relate to them on a level that I hadn't understood before. And I felt like that would maybe uh, enhance the experience on the podcast. You know, you, you've listened to these people, you'll get to know them. And then now you'll really feel like this is somebody who I, I have a really better understanding of who they are. And maybe that's, uh, you know, helps me in my enjoyment of the other podcasts. Who knows? Uh- what I feel like is so fascinating about this idea of you taking this on is that I feel like out of almost anybody that I do podcast with, I feel like that for the most part that you are not as much of an open book as a lot of the other people. And so I feel like at the same time that we are learning about a lot of these other people, we may even uh, get to know even more about you, Taryn, because this is almost like to me a little bit of an exercise that we talk about how Taryn, the robot, this is like, <laughs> Like when Data on Star Trek The Next Generation would like, oh, okay, well, teach me about this. I want to learn about uh, this human emotion. So this is a a very exciting journey for me as well. (laughs) Truly a man of mystery. Uh, I I guess uh, the spotlight has already been turned around on me. Uh, but yeah, I guess if you're interested in learning about me, this is a, a good way to start. Yeah, as we go along, it's going to be a fascinating ride. Yeah, there you go. Um, so let's start talking about this. Um, so obviously I guess, you know, to, for anybody that, that isn't already a listener to Rob has a podcast, um, the basic premise of the podcast is that we talk about all kinds of, uh, reality shows, usually, uh, mostly strategic reality shows. Uh, the main shows are survivor, big brother, amazing race. And we also cover all kinds of other shows like American Ninja Warrior. So you think you can dance the challenge bachelor, so on and so forth. We also have a, what would you call it? A sister podcast? Yeah, the uh, scripted TV site, uh, the uh, post-show recaps, yeah. Yes, where uh, we talk about all kinds of scripted shows. Uh, So we're really all about television and we love it and uh, and we talk all about it. And there is a ton of different people who uh, are a part of this podcast. It's it's truly grown into this huge network and community of people. And there's also a a patron group uh, that that has this community of people. Uh, It's really turned into this really awesome thing. And so that is where we're coming from. And that is what my guest today, Rob Sestinino, has created. And uh, that's what I want to start with. Uh, Like, where did you get where did you first get the idea to start the podcast? Like when the very, very, very early iterations of it. I had always been somebody who enjoyed uh, talk radio and all through my life, uh, whether it was Howard Stern or sports talk radio in New York. Uh, I used to listen to Opie and Anthony. I just I loved the uh, talk show format and i used to listen to uh, you know a lot of music uh, certainly but you know the thing that would always help me pass the time uh would be uh talk and uh, you know espn radio so many uh different types of talk radio I've, I've enjoyed over the course of my life and when i got the opportunity to move to los angeles back in 2004 that was where the for the first time i was able to do basically talk radio about reality TV. And that was on a website that was uh, called the fishbowl. And there was a, a guy named Scott Zacharin who was, he had this idea and it was sort of a, a, a crazy one where he had, uh, you know, uh, made his money in the nineties that he started the first website that was basically 
it, it was like a scripted show, but it was pretending that people were like bloggers on the Internet all living in a house. And if you ever if anybody remembers like Lonely Girl 15, like yeah. uh, that was like one of the, the first YouTube series to to kind of do that. But he was doing that with like online blogs and then they would like post the picture. And a lot of people thought it was real, but it was fake. And so that was where, you know, he ended up like uh, having a success and they got bought out by AOL in the mid 90s. And so uh, he was thinking along the lines of like, oh, okay, there's all these reality stars that are already like doing in the like they basically did the real thing of putting their lives out into the world. So what if we followed people from reality shows after they came off of the reality shows? So they were trying to find like as many people as they could in Los Angeles to be like that were former reality stars because, you know, that reality stars were really famous and popular back in like 2003 and 2004, 20 million people a week still watched a lot of these shows. And there were so many of them coming off the shows and they had nothing to do. So that was sort of their idea. And he wanted to potentially do different projects with people that were for, former reality TV show contestants. And so I had been reached out to by a big brother, original big brother alum, Josh Souza, who was already working with scott and they said like hey we want to you know uh have you work on some stuff with us and i was sort of like desperate to work on anything with with anyone uh let alone like talk about reality shows and so i've started to become like a regular contributor for uh this website and i was just like so eager to be a, a part of what they were doing and they were covering big brother five and i was like calling in constantly to their different shows and i used to do a lot of big brother five impressions also <laughs> that, uh, that doesn't surprise me somehow yeah i'm pretty sure uh i don't even remember who i had uh down i think i i think marvin and i don't remember uh who else from that i think i used to do holly king also i think that, oh, that was also, but i could it's not like what i could do now off the top of my head but Shame. I, I was yeah, <laughs> I, I was doing, you know, as much stuff as I possibly could to the point where uh, Scott, the uh, owner of that company, said, like, you need to move out here and you need to work with me on this stuff. And that was where I, you know, it was my dream to sort of not, you know, I, I wanted to be on a show, but, you know, I wanted to work in broadcasting. That was, you know, uh, what I went to school for and certainly not what I was doing uh, pre survivor or post survivor. And I felt like that this was my opportunity to finally start to work in, you know, the entertainment career that I had, you know, always wanted to do from when I was like a little kid. And that's when I came out there and started to do like regular radio shows talking about Survivor. And I did that for about two years. And that company ultimately ended up going out of business uh, because it was really hard to monetize this stuff. And, you know, there's a lot of overhead with a big company and a lot of mouths to feed. And it just wasn't sustainable what we were doing at that time. And after that point, I ended up uh, just like uh, continuing to do production work with those same guys. But uh, it was around 2009, 2010 when I was completely unemployed. And I just thought that, you know, doing a podcast, talking about TV, I, I wasn't going to only be Survivor. I thought I could just talk about a bunch of different TV shows at that time. 
And I thought that it would just help get my name out there in terms of being a resume piece in terms of getting jobs. So you really just saw it as something to to point to as like, uh, you know, this is my uh, my ability as a broadcaster, um, you know, hire me to do something similar. I not even necessarily to be hired as a broadcaster, but I, I saw a lot of people here in Los Angeles where they started a web series and then the web series was on YouTube and it got like, uh, you know, a bit of an audience and then people would give them money or hire them to work on bigger projects. So my hope was that I would start podcasting and it would just be something that I could sort of have on my resume where, hey, I have this website that has this audience. So that's why I should be hired for this social media management position or that's why you know, I, I, you know, you should hire me as, as a writer's assistant for something. I just, I, I feel felt like that in the hiring world, and it was really hard to find a job at that point that somebody who had something like, Hey, this guy's a go-getter. He's doing something. He has something that he can uh, show us on YouTube or on a website. And I felt like that that was going to be uh, a difference maker in terms of getting, you know, uh, sustainable work. Did it did it help at all? Did you find that it, it helped you find jobs? I definitely felt like it helped me in the short term where I did get some uh, freelance jobs of, you know, being able to help people. You know, this is really the dawn of uh, Twitter and Facebook and being able to, uh, you know, do some freelance, uh, you know, yeah, I, I, consulting is probably the wrong word, but. You know, I was like a different a couple of different jobs that I did trying to help people who had no idea what they were doing in terms of social media with trying to uh, get their content out there. But ultimately, what ended up happening was the same guy that I was working with at the uh, fishbowl. He got a um, basically like he had like hiring power at another company that he went to work for. And so. I went to go uh, work for him for a couple of years uh, following that after, you know, that I was unemployed for really most of 2009 and 2010. So there was a good year and a half when I, I didn't have a regular job. But that was when I look back at that sort of the, you know, launching ground of Rob as a podcast. So that period where I didn't have any money coming in was, you know, the point where I was going to be setting up the, I mean, at this point, you know, the next seven years. Yeah. I mean, was it, was that a difficult time? Like not having income coming in, doing this thing that wasn't really making you money. Uh, did you feel like that was going to help you down the line or did you just feel like you were doing anything you could? So you know, I was fortunate enough that, you know, I was uh, on unemployment from when I had, uh, uh, you know, lost my job. And so that my, you know, uh, like bare minimum expenses were covered from that. And then, you know, I was very fortunate that I married to someone who, you know, has been gainfully employed for going on uh, over 10 years at this point. And so, Nicole was really the breadwinner for us for, you know, uh, quite some time. You know, I got married during that time. And, you know, I definitely felt like a loser at that point where I was somebody who was like, boy, you know, this woman is uh, marrying this guy who has no job and no prospects. And, you know, she always was really supportive. And, you know, that's something that, uh, you know, we recently 
you know, posted these uh, videos of behind the scenes. And uh, Nicole was, you know, not thrilled with uh, how I <laughs> described her in the videos. And her the reason why she was upset, she said, you made it seem like I'm just mad all the time. And I, I that I feel like that you're putting uh, giving the impression that I've been unsupportive to you. And, and I tried to say to her that that's totally not the case because she's always been so supportive of ever, you know, from when the time when I was doing a lot of work and, and, you know, showing no results and also no sign of, I mean, there's so many spouses. I don't want to make it only a, 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 a female thing. Uh, I'm sure there's a lot of men who, if their wife, you know, uh, they were counting on them to make some money for the family and they were like putting all of their time into some hobby or a blog or something, some uh, pursuit that did not seem to have like a clear like, oh, OK, I get what this is supposed to be. Then Nicole never was, was put like pushing me like uh, so, you know, and I, and I was applying for jobs and I was going on interviews during that time. But, you know, she was never like uh, like had like uh, some anger towards the lack of results that I was producing at that point. Did she believe in, in what you're doing with the podcast? Did she think it would ever, um, you know, be a successful thing? Or did she feel like maybe it was just a hobby that, you know, maybe wasn't the best use of your time? I don't think that she ever qualified it as like not the best use of my time, but I don't know if she ever saw like a, I mean, I didn't know what it was going to ultimately turn into. I don't think anybody could have imagined at that time uh, what it was got, like it was going to end up being a full-time job. I, I used to say like, no, like uh, the, the podcast is just something that's, that's on the side. Like I, I you know, I, I don't want it to be, a full-time job because you know i i was living in a world that i didn't really you know know how things like patreon would exist and and allow me to be able to you know uh have the uh the the fans contribute uh directly to sort of like the sustainability of the podcast so uh, it was just something that i i didn't understand and neither of us like knew where it was potentially going to lead to yeah. What, well, what was the audience like initially? Well, I hadn't been involved in the survivor community really from the point that I stopped doing the fishbowl around 2006. So there, that was really uh, pre Facebook. So at the time that the launched, we launched the show uh, back in 2010, you know, I had some people that were, you know, uh, I guess friends with me on Facebook, but I don't think that there were very many people who were just Survivor fans who I didn't know who were following me on Facebook or on Twitter. So I, honestly, I don't even know how you found the podcast <laughs> if you weren't already a friend of mine in real life to start. Like, I, I, I don't know. Maybe uh, that I think I just like was putting them out on my Twitter and maybe using the hashtag. But other than if I talked to a guest of somebody and, and people were following somebody who had a Twitter at that point in time, I really just don't like those first couple of podcasts. I'd have to ask people who listen to them of like, how did you even know that that was that that existed? Because it wasn't like that there was, you know, rampant social media at that time. And it wasn't like my stuff was going to show up in a search result uh, in the very early days. So we really were just like putting it out there into the world. And whoever 
could find it was go- was going to find it. Was there a moment or, or a, like a, a period of time where you you had a rapid growth? I wouldn't say that there was anything that was ever like a, you know, oh, OK, well, now, you know, we have this uh, major growth moment. And, and there certainly were milestones. But, you know, I, I've been very fortunate that I've had very slow, and, but yet sustained growth over the years. So I was able to make a lot of mistakes, do a lot of, uh, you know, really subpar podcasts at a point when there weren't a lot of people listening and that, you know, the people that were listening were, you know, you know, very forgiving in terms of and and God knows how many people like turned it on and and turned it off and said, okay, never again at, at those early stages. But I really was able to hone my craft for a long time before people were listening. And so that there were probably, you know, show you know uh, so many shows in you know 2010 that we did that you know are really really rough in 2011 and there just wasn't a ton of people listening and and that's the biggest thing that you know i you know i think a lot of people don't get where you need to start and you need to be bad for a while before you can be good. And I think that there is a uh, a rush, especially with now. It's so easy. The, the barrier to entry to creating a podcast now is uh, is almost nothing. I mean, uh, Taryn, even you have a podcast now. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> no, uh, but but you, you know what I mean? And so anybody can basically set this up and get it out there. But now that you, you you're able to be in front of a very large audience very quickly and you just don't have all those hours uh, in the cockpit yet at the point where many people are listening to you and so there's such a rush to get it out there to to have as many people hear the shows as possible and also a rush to monetize and i think that that is uh, not a recipe for success because you really want to be able to continue to you know sharpen your tools as a broadcaster for quite some time before you're ready for for prime time i mean there is no minor leagues of podcasting you're just sort of there you're in the itunes store and bam people can find you almost instantly yes so any listener to this podcast just stick around for like a year and a half and it'll get good eventually i promise (laughs) Well, but you have been a a podcasting uh, broadcaster for you know uh, of that. When did we start uh, working together? It was uh, what the spring of twenty fifteen? So uh, yeah, I think so. This is you know uh, that you, you easily have uh, what you know th- you know three hundred hours under your belt at this point on the r- recorded air, and and so. You, but you've you know been able to hone your uh, skills, whereas there's a lot of people that just and not just in Survivor. I'm talking about like all over the place where people just like uh, you know flip on a switch. Uh, the thing about with uh, like what what we do though is people come off of a show and they have a social media following. I'm not talking about the person who is the amateur podcaster. That person is going to come on and start a show and they're going to have a hard time finding their audience. And that's the, and that's the idea because you want to come on and 
you almost want to have nobody listening to your first episode because uh, with the exception of you, Taryn, your first episode, you want it to be your worst episode yeah. for you. Your first episode is probably going to be the best episode and then they're all going to be <laughs> downhill from here. But for the normal person, the uh, uh, you know, a great piece of advice that I had read, uh, I believe it was uh, uh, John Acoff is the writer's name, but you want your first piece of content to be the worst one. And then you want it to be so embarrassing that a year from now, you're like, oh, my God, can you believe my first show? That was terrible. And you want to be, you know, continue to grow as a broadcaster. And that's, you know, uh, don't let that be a barrier to entry for you. Like the sooner you make your first show, the sooner you can go on. And it's true in, in, in not just in podcasting, but in anything that you're going to do. If you're writing, you know, just write that first terrible thing and then you can have it as something to always look back on and say, oh, remember when I was that terrible and, you know, be able to prove to yourself that you're improving. Yeah, I totally agree with that. You know, it, it's like you really just have to put yourself out there. And, and that's something that I've always appreciated with you, Rob, is that, uh, you know, I, I really I feel like I submit myself to your notes and I feel like you've really helped me grow as a as a podcaster. And uh, I've really appreciated that. And I do I do look back at when I first started and I'm like, oh, man, <laughs> like, I sound like I'm on Xanax or something. Like, I'm just... And I'm sure that you don't. I'm sure it's mostly in your head, but that I have no doubt that at the same time that you've really uh, grown uh, so much as a broadcaster. So uh, I'm, you know, uh, I don't want to suck kneecaps uh, too much here on the first episode and have you get a big head. But, uh, you know, <laughs> that's, I, I, I also think you can carry your own show. Well, thank you very much. Huge head now. Okay. Um, <laughs> So, uh, so when did you start the, like the website and, uh, did that feel like a milestone? Like what, what did you think? What, what were some of the biggest milestones along the way where you felt like this is making actual progress? So I always had a website that, that was something that was there from the, the get go. And really what happened was in 2009, basically about six or seven months before I started the, you know, Rob is a podcast proper. I just bought a microphone and said, OK, well, I'm just going to, you know, call up my friends and talk about stupid stuff. I was sort of like very inspired by the Bill Simmons podcast, uh, which probably started, if not right around that time, then shortly before. And I said, I'm just going to like call up my friends to talk about the Mets or call up this person and talk about this movie or talk about something that was going on now. And so I had done probably about like 10 or 12 of those types of episodes. And I talked to Nicole during that time. But I always like I, the Rob has a website came first. I, I really struggled to come up with a name for the website because my name is really hard to spell. We can't all have easy to spell like uh, compound names like Armstrong. And so <laughs> I really was like, uh, well, the Rob sister Nino.com is uh, nobody's gonna be able to spell that. So I really racked my brain and I said, oh, oh Rob has a website. When I was younger, I used to have a website and it was called uh, the Rob That was a website I had like back in 2002. And I had that like right around the time. And I used to just like, you know, I would like hang out with my friends. I would like post pictures on there and different and different things that I had made. I put up on uh, the Rob And so I ended up with uh, Rob has a website.com. And I just thought that, that oh, like, that's clever and it's easy to spell. And that's ultimately what it was. And so I would post the podcast there 
And that's really where the name Rob has a podcast came from because it was just like, well, I already have Rob has a website.com. So the name of the show should just be Rob has a podcast because back in 2009 and 2010, actually not a lot of people had a podcast. So <laughs> Rob has a podcast. It's like, oh, okay. Well, that's, that's interesting. It's now, now everybody has a podcast. Yeah. Uh, and, and I'm also learning that I guess uh, I have the naming abilities of a child, Rob Sestrina. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Well, at least you have a more unique name. You know, there's a lot yeah. of other Robs uh, that are out there. But yeah, in terms of like the you know milestones, uh, you know, uh, getting up the the first episode was a milestone. I mean, th- at the point when uh, you know, I did not like monetize one episode of uh, the podcast for well over a year uh, when when uh, I, I think it might have been like maybe by like the summer of 2011 was the first time that I started to dig into like affiliate advertising. And what I mean by affiliate advertising is basically have banners on the website that were, were you know, if you bought something through using that site, then I would be able to, you know, uh, earn some commission on that. And that was like where we first put up like a banner to Amazon.com. And that was like well over a year after we first um, launched the podcast. So in a way that, you know, that was a bit of a, of a milestone in that, you know, I really was very nervous about potentially, you know, trying to, you know, even make any money doing the podcast because I felt like people were just going to be upset with it. I, I didn't want to have a, a Google AdSense banner on the side because I felt like that people were just going to, uh, be uh, react like uh, like oh okay I get it I oh you just this is just like uh, you're trying to just make money on this okay uh, that you know it was really I was you know very concerned about that but I was really just trying to pay for you know the hosting of uh, the website and the podcast at that point um, we did our 500th episode I think sometime in 2012 I, I think actually maybe it was the end of 2011 that I was first nominated for a podcast award. I think that was a milestone. Um, but really I think then after tw- by 2012, that was really the, the turning point of the podcast for me from amateur to professional where I, I went through a real uh, phase where I, I, I questioned how much uh, that my, my heart was, was in it to keep going. After my dad died in 2011, uh, my dad died in uh, December of 2011, and it was right at, near the end of Survivor South Pacific. And I just went through a phase where I really wasn't gainfully employed. I was sort of just like doing like freelance stuff. I was doing the podcast as a, a hobby, basically, and it, it was a very fulfilling hobby. But I really looked at it where you know my father was a police officer and he spent his entire life you know supporting his family and you know i'm sure that there were a lot of times he did not want to go to work and be a police officer uh but even though i think that for the most part you know it's a it's a hard job but he did enjoy a lot of aspects of it and a lot of the camaraderie that comes along with the uh, being a police officer with the other people in your department but you know he lived his life uh, to support his family and you know whatever his family needed 
That's why he went to work. I'm sure there were other things, other pursuits he would have rather done uh, with his free time rather than, you know, go and work, you know, long overnight shifts at the police department. And I said, you know, what? I need to get a real job I, that this is an, I, like I, I need to grow up. I need to stop being a kid and, uh, you know, no more fooling around. I need to. And I really went out of my way in the beginning of 2012 to find, you know, full time gainful employment and that's you know what I, I really tried to do and I couldn't find anything and I think at that point had anybody hired me anybody offered me any sort of a like actual position at a company I don't know what the podcast would have been or maybe just like on a Saturday I might have just like talked about the previous episode of Survivor and I probably would have just gotten bored of that because or not gotten bored of it but it's like okay well now I only have two days off during the week so I would have rather have spent that with Nicole or doing or doing something or running errands. And I probably would have looked at the podcast as just like a nuisance uh, because I only had a limited amount of time that I wasn't working. But that was what I felt like I needed to do. And I started taking like online courses to, you know, get like different uh, like SEO certifications so that I would become uh, more hireable. And I just wanted to like find a job. And I was like interviewing at a lot of different companies to be sort of like a uh, whether it was like a social media manager or like something in terms of like uh, some sort of like department head of like some sort of like online creation uh, where I would be sort of like overseeing social and maybe even like uh, like uh, I would have taken, you know, anything just to get a foot in the door somewhere at one of these uh, different like digital uh, companies and nobody, I got close, but nobody would hire me during that time. And it was in June of 2012 that I went to the blog world uh, conference and that I was, because I was nominated for the podcast award in the uh, December of 2011 that was I, I was on a panel with Daryl Darnell, who is a guy who he had a fringe podcast. He, if anybody has ever heard any Golden Spiral Media podcasts that they also do TV recaps, uh, he started that. And I was on with uh, Jay and Jack from Lost. Uh, the Lost podcast were on that podcast and uh, Mike Bloom and Jeremiah Panhorse. Uh, they actually do podcasts with them still uh, to this day. And. I, I went to like a professional convention about podcasting or it was really about blogging and podcasting. And I sort of like had a turning point in my podcasting career where I said, okay, well, I'm going to treat this like a job now. Like I'm going to be professional about this. I'm not going to treat it like a hobby. I'm going to treat it, you know, like a professional pursuit. And I started to get more serious about the podcast, um, both in terms of like best practices of what I was doing and in terms of, you know, eventually, you know, trying to find more ways to monetize the podcast. And I just look back to like that June of 2012 and going to that conference. And, and I've been to a lot of uh professional podcasting conferences uh, since then. But I feel like that that was like the point where I started to look at this as a uh, serious venture and not just like something I was sort of like uh, messing around with on the side. Did it feel viable to you at the time? Like 
uh, like you were going to treat it as a job, but did you really expect that it would be successful at that point? Well, I didn't have a lot of alternatives. I didn't, again, I was not employed uh, by any stretch of the imagination at that point. So it's like, I need to, you know, this seriousness that I felt like that I started to really put on myself, you know, uh, after my dad died, where I need to, you know, be very uh, serious and, and really dedicated. And, uh, that was I, I I really started to and I start, I made a big push that uh, summer to try to sell the Big Brother live feeds uh, that, you know, and that was another uh, commission product and used to do, do uh, better with the, the commission on the Big Brother live feeds when it was uh, on real player. And I, you know, I did a lot of research and, and I, I tried to re, I like, I, I don't know how many, if anybody was doing this beforehand, but I said, okay, well, I'm going to, if you buy the big brother live feeds through my, with my site, I'm going to send you a gift. And we, I think I also came up with the big brother live feed bingo card. And I think that there was a prize at that time. So I really, not just in terms of the content, but I was going to be serious about the marketing and I was going to be serious about learning as much as I could about the industry that I was now working in. How long did you feel like it took to get to a place where you finally thought like, wow, this is actually something that's successful? Um, I don't know, but I was really proud of myself that summer. I think that I that in the summer of 2012, I, I'm pretty sure I don't think I made uh any other money in in during that month in 2012 because this is a point where you know i i don't think i was on unemployment any anymore at that time i think that that had run its course and i i didn't have any other money coming in except for what i made selling big brother live feeds uh that summer and i was really proud of myself i think i made like three i made like thirty six hundred dollars uh like in july of 2012 and i was just like really proud of myself that I just kind of felt like almost like, um, you know, a, a caveman. Like I went out <laughs> and I, ki- you know, I killed what I ate that month where <laughs> I went out there and I, and this was, uh, this was uh, like my, you know, sweat and tears that, that was this paycheck. I like, I hustled and I made this money and I was just like really proud of that fact that I was able to go out and do that, uh, during the, uh, the great, uh, what was that big brother th- is that big brother i might have been big brother 14 2012 uh, yeah i think it, yeah i think so so did that continue uh you know after the live feeds were already sold um did did that success continue or did you feel like um you sort of had to slowly build back up to that level of of you know income well it definitely was scary that like okay well i could count on that the, the, that big brother money over those first uh couple of months that season but I didn't know necessarily what was going to be uh, coming up in the in that fall. And one of the things that I started adopting at that time was that I had read the book Think and Grow Rich. And, you know, I had really started uh, to give a lot of my attention to audiobooks at the point where I lost my job back in 2009. And I said to myself that I am in a position where I am going to be 30 years old, or I think I, I, I was already 30 years old at that time. 
And I said, I'm uh, 30 years old and I have no job and I have no prospects and something has really gone wrong in my life. I need to, you know, figure this out. I need to get better. And that was when I started listening to audiobooks at that particular time. And I think that the first one that I really got into was that I was watching that there was like an infomercial on for a Tony Robbins uh, audiobook. And um, I forget which one it was, but Mark Burnett was on there and he was like, oh, oh I love Tony Robbins. <laughs> I think Jeff Probst really likes uh, Tony Robbins also. And it's not for everybody. But uh, I went on and I could not afford the Tony Robbins audiobook, but I went on like, uh, you know, BitTorrent and I downloaded the Tony Robbins audiobook. And it was like, it was really great. It was like uh, I was listening to it and I, and I and when I turned it off, I would feel I would feel good. I found that it was like very nourishing for me where I would listen to sort of like this positive talk. And then it made me want to go out and do things and like make a list of goals. And then I would go on from there and I said, okay, well, what else can I listen to? And I listened to basically every single one of the classic audiobooks, uh, the uh, how to win friends and influence people and the secrets to the uh, seven tips or the seven. Uh, now I can't remember the, the name of it, but uh, the seven things that uh, highly effective people do. That's not the exact uh, title of it. Um, how to win friends and influence people. I, I listen to anything that I could get my hands on and it, I, I just find it to be, and I still do. And the problem is I'm, I'm out of like the, the really good ones. So I'm like uh, more on the, on the fringes of stuff right now, but I have always found where and I love podcasts and I love talk radio, but to me, I, I feel like a lot of podcasting is sort of like junk food where it's like, it's opening a bag of chips where it's like, blah, 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 blah. but like the <laughs> audio books, <laughs> if you like that uh, is like, that's like the real, like that, that's, you're putting healthy, lean food into your brain and it can really be a difference maker. And, uh, I, that was around the point where I had uh, gone back through Think and Grow Rich. And I think I might have listened to it once before, but I was like, oh, OK. And I really just sort of like uh, one of the things that uh, is from that book of Napoleon Hill is to sort of like have like a, you know, driving mission statement of what it is that you are going to, you know, set your focus to. And. Honestly, I, I, I don't remember. And I've continued to do this over the years where I have like a, you know, one page sheet with my sort of, uh, you know, uh, what, what my intention is and how I'm going to, you know, manifest that goal that I'm trying to set. And I did that for the for the first time. And I it, it was like some. Uh, like small amount of money that I was saying, okay, I'm going to make that, in, you know, uh, in this year. And I have to go back and look to see if I have that anywhere to see what it was going to be. But I just like, you know, would really, you know, read that over and over and over again, and and continue to to look at that and you know focus my attention to it. And you know, I I don't think it's something that's like supernatural, but I do think it's the kind of thing where you can program your mind to say that this is my goal and this is what I'm going to try to do. 
and then sort of like you know your brain starts to figure out okay well now how do i make this happen how do i accomplish that and so i just became very focused uh during that time and it was really you know uh i spent a, a lot of uh you know uh podcast time talking about people should uh use uh our links for amazon during that fall and i don't remember uh any, anything else in particular where we were trying to monetize but I was, uh, you know, very focused on just trying to make the podcast viable during that fall. Well, that, that's really interesting to me because I know as as somebody who, who does podcasting and, and, you know, who does a lot of freelance work and, and that kind of thing, uh, you know, working from home, you know, working on your own projects, it requires a lot of discipline uh, to, to stay focused and to stay motivated. Uh, so is that really like the main thing that you do to to maintain that discipline, to, to stay focused and to keep working hard? Uh, mm. I would say, you know, often I feel like I have gotten more on autopilot where I, I, I think back to that time and I feel like I was really locked in at that point. This is before I had kids and it was easy to sort of just throw myself into my work and that I, re I really got serious about things by the end of 2012 going into 2013 and I completely redid everything in my uh, in my office by uh the, you know the end of that year and the beginning of 2013 was when we actually won the podcast award i i also like that i, I think that, is, that was around that time where i said okay i'm going we're gonna win the podcast award and i'm gonna do what i can to campaign to try and win that podcast award so that was just a point where everything in my life i could focus on trying to turn the podcast into what i what i want it to be and now there's so many other distractions I, you know i that it was easier to sort of like be you know everywhere with the podcast even though i have much more help now but i, I was able to sort of like get my arms around it much more at that point in time and obviously, you know, I, I, I didn't end up have, having any uh, kids yet at that point. So I could wake up at, you know, five o'clock in the morning and work until 10 o'clock at night if I needed to. And nobody was going to, you know, be looking for me. So do you still feel motivated to maintain a level of discipline or do you do you mostly feel like uh, you're trying to stay on top of you know, managing everything that you can with the podcast, with your family, like how, how do you manage to do all that? Well, it's definitely harder, but for me, all I have is discipline. That's really, I, somebody had uh, said this to me where, where I was trying to talk about this subject where I'm not organized. My, my office is a disaster. I, I can't find anything. So organization is not my strong suit. <laughs> But discipline really is where I can, you know, always end up putting the time into my work and not be tempted to, you know, go out or do something socially or watch, you know, a, a show or anything like that. So that's the one area that I feel like is uh, one of my biggest competitive advantages. But uh, in terms of staying motivated, it, you know, it's it's hard. I, I don't get to put in the work into improving myself that I used to be able to do. Like I used to be able to, OK, 
well, this month I'm going to listen to this book and this month I'm going to listen to this and I'm going to listen to this business podcast and I'm going to, you know, stay on top of all of these trends in social media marketing. And now it's harder to continue to, you know, sharpen the sword of what I do. And so in, in, in a lot of ways, you know, I, I feel like I'm plateauing different times. Do you do you regret that? Do you feel like you wish you could be focusing more on that sort of thing? And do you ever plan on getting back to that point? I always wish that I could be doing um, more of that stuff. It, really, at this point where uh, I it, it kills my mom too that we don't uh, go home for Christmas, you know, regularly. And I don't know if we're ever going to do that again. But that week between Christmas and New Year's, uh, I, I love that week because that's a week where I try to find something where I can like a program that I could be listening to to try to improve what I'm doing. I felt like I did a really good job with that uh, this year. And I, I came out of that, you know, really fired up and ready to go into January. This is the time of year where it gets where it gets hard, where I'm very good at like the start of the year and a, hey, here's the uh, New Year's resolution and here's what I'm going to be focused on. The last honestly, the, the first couple of years of, of having kids, I struggled with that, but I felt like I had a good bounce back year uh, with that going into this year. But it's it's tough because, you know, I, it's not always fun to do. I, I, I enjoy it. And it's, it's the kind of thing like uh, much, much like exercise where after you do it, you feel good. But it's so much easier to put on a podcast that is just like, uh, you know, complaining about the Mets for an hour. <laughs> yeah, just uh, <laughs> go, go eat that junk food. Yeah, you want to you want to uh, eat the junk food. You want to go ahead and try to, you know, just to, like pass the time. And, and and there's a lot of times where, you know, I, I, I have like a big block of time with my, you know, my kids are being bad. and I just want something that's going <laughs> to yeah, help uh, soothe the pain. And but that's how most people consume podcasts. And and, and I'm very aware of that and the beneficiary of that. But I think that there's also something to that where sometimes, you know, people don't need like somebody who's sitting in traffic and, uh, you know, ending up, you know, uh, really unhappy. Sometimes that the 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 podcast is uh, what the doctor ordered more so than something that is, you know, you can't like uh live on you know audiobook alone you know you do need to have you know uh the things that are going to get you excited and and make you happy and, and one of the 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 really great things that I've gotten to you know the the benefits of this job is that I hear from a lot of people who were in a bad place whether it was something that was uh you know like a depression or people that are dealing with physical ailments and you know, I, I get emails and, and this is certainly not the like the, the rule, but there, there's definitely people that I hear from that they feel like that the, the podcast has, has helped them through a really difficult uh, period that they've been in. So I, I get that also. So it, it, when, when things are bad, you know, you really uh, can use the little bit of a of a lift that you get from the podcast. But when things are good, it's also uh, they could be better when you, you know, add in the, you know, uh, stuff that's going to help you get even better. 
Yeah. Uh, are you are you satisfied with the current state of things in terms of your ability to focus on yourself like that? Or do you feel like you want to try and change that and you want to try and get to a place where you ha- are more comfortable working on yourself and, and finding more time to to not eat the junk food? Mm, I, I mean, I, I shouldn't really nitpick uh, too much. I, I'd love to continue to get better and, and improve myself. But, you know, in a lot of ways, I feel kind of like the athlete and, and I, and I really, uh, this is a stretch to say, I feel like the <laughs> athlete, but that, you know, that there's only for a professional athlete, you only have so many years when you can play your sport at a competitive level. And so at some point your playing career is going to be over and so you need to, you know, be out there. And so like, maybe like there's an athlete was like, boy, I really wish I could spend more time lifting weights because then if I could, if I could train more then uh, you know, I could get out. But eventually, you know, you have to go out there and you have to, you know, do your sport. And, you know, this is ultimately what I do. So, you know, I can just like spend more time in the proverbial weight room trying to get better and better, or I can actually go out there and, uh, and do what I can on the field. And I'm sort of like very motivated by, I don't know how long the podcast in this state is going to go for. I mean, who knows survivor could be on for another year. Survivor could be on for another 10 years. It is just so much uncertainty there. So I do feel like that there is a lot of motivation on my part that I feel like that this is my time in the sun. Nothing is guaranteed in terms of, you know, I'm somebody who has been, you know, unemployed for, you know, a period of time in my thirties. And I know how scary that is. And I'm very motivated by fear of that. You know, what if all of this stops tomorrow? Well, you know, what what will I have and, you know, where what what will I do from here so that nothing motivates me like that, that that fear of, you know, what do I do if this all stops? Well, what's the answer to that question? Do you have an idea of what you would do if Survivor ended this year? I don't know what I would do. I mean, I would certainly, you know, I, I don't think that there would be a scenario where it's like cbs announces okay survivor 36 is going to be it jeff probs is retiring and we're going to move in another direction i don't think that the finale podcast for survivor 36 would be the final podcast that i was going to do so i don't have a solid plan but i think that what i would attempt to do would be some sort of like how do i convert this from whether it's a, you know, a podcast about a specific show to doing some sort of like ongoing, you know, uh, not necessarily like a variety show. I'm not sure what you would call like a like an Adam Carolla type uh, show. And I, and I don't mean to specifically say like I would do his show, but basically, you know, an hour, hour and a half show talking to guests talking about whatever is happening uh, in the world, like incorporate like the news AF elements uh, into it, whatever that would look like. Uh, I don't know if that would necessarily be appealing to people or be able to be uh, the kind of thing that could be sustainable over the long form. But I think that that's my best idea for right now. Well, I would listen. You Thank have you, one Tara. listener. Yeah. <laughs> and 
uh, like I, I really I feel a little bit like um, you know I have this movie Toy Story that is playing nonstop <laughs> at my house, and you know you uh, I, I I feel very much like I uh, can relate to the plight of Woody and Buzz <laughs> by Toy Story three because that you know uh, that uh, eventually. Andy grows up eventually, you know, that uh, things move on. And it's like, well, now what do we do? Do we just go to the attic? Do we going to go? Do we just get, uh, you know, thrown out in the trash? I don't know what's going to happen. You know, I, I don't know if there's going to be a life, uh, a podcasting life after this. And of the, you know, the things that keep me up at night, uh, that's, uh, you know, uh, really high on the list right after, you know, uh, some sort of earthquake, uh, you know, uh, hurting people in my family. That's really, that's number one. Two is, uh, you know, the reality shows, uh, going off the air. And then, uh, three is, uh, everything else. Well, I think, I think part of what could make you continue your success is this community you've built, especially with, with Patreon and the patron Facebook group. Um, and you know, all of the, the fellow podcasters like myself that you've really, you know, you've, you really built this, this empire to, so to speak. Um, and I think there are well, so let's, many, let's not get too carried away. Terry. All right. All right. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> we'll say a podcast network. Uh, yes. <laughs> Um, but I, I think there are a lot of different, um, you know, routes to take and avenues you can go down um, with with the talent you have and with the community you have that you've built. And um, I mean, I guess like let's let's talk about the the Patreon thing, because I think that I mean that for me, as far as like how I view the podcast, I always saw it as you started the Patreon and that's when it became this huge thing that like now you could really do this full time. Is is that is that yeah. spot on or, or is that, you know, well, the uh, the Patreon came up uh, at the end of uh, 2013. Uh, I had gotten a phone call from a guy named uh, Cole who worked at uh, at Patreon and he was a big brother fan and he was aware of the podcast uh, and he said like, hey, we're starting up this new thing called Patreon and then it allows people it's like a Kickstarter, but it allows people to be able to pay monthly contributions. And I was like, uh, I, I don't really want to charge people for the podcast. Uh, it doesn't that's not really what I want to do, but I sort of like, uh, you know, I really appreciate you reaching out to me. Let me think about this and uh, I will get back to you. And, uh, you know, by the end of the, uh, or the beginning of December of that 2013, that was I was back unemployed again, where that the company I was working at ended up like laying off the department where that I was working in. And so I, I just really I was so disappointed in myself in that. And Dominic was just born in September of that year. And I just felt like such a failure again, where I, I was like, you know, saying to Nicole, like, uh, you know, I'm just I'm so sorry that I, I have not been able to be a, a person who is able to support their family. And, and again, I go back to my dad with, you know, and he went on and he and he and he worked 28 years in the police department. And probably that was not his dream job when, you know, that that he wanted to that he wanted to do. But he but but I just really had so much respect for 
sort of like the blue collar mentality of just like, you know, going and doing the job just because you, you know, um, you needed to, you need to support your family. And now I had a family and now I was out of work and I just, I didn't know what to do. And, you know, the podcast was monetized to a certain point, but definitely not enough to, you know, um, be my, uh, my job. Uh, and, and that was mostly from what we were, uh, bringing in from, uh, Amazon at that point in time. And like a couple other, like, uh, like, you know, uh, Google AdSense on like ad, basically that's like the banner ads on the website and, uh, and the YouTube channel. Um, but it wasn't, you know, uh, nearly enough to support us. And, and, and Nicole had a job also, but she was working less because, uh, Dominic was now born. Actually, I think she was still on maternity leave at that time, but she was not going to be working as much as originally, uh, you know, she was at the point where she could work four or five days in a week when I, when it was just us and I was unemployed and it would be, you know, she can, you know, make up some of the money that I was missing. And that was when I said, okay, you know, I'm going to give it a shot to do this full time because it was the point where the podcast was eating up so much time to go out and, and apply for a job. Uh, this was a point where I, like I, I couldn't go in and apply for a job. It's like, actually, I need to be home on Wednesday nights at five o'clock and then I need to do exit interviews on Thursday. So I need to be available to take a phone call at 830 in the morning. And then on this day, I need it, it was just like that. There were too many holes in my schedule. I was I, I was not only unemployed, but I was also unemployable <laughs> at that point. And. I decided that, OK, I think I'm maybe if I can just, you know, uh, spend the extra time working on the podcast, if I could both increase the money that I was bringing in and then also if I could then do freelance jobs on the side so I could do consulting, I could do free take a, find like a client or two and make up the difference. Like, I think I could be OK. And this was at a point where I made, I think, one of the uh, smarter decisions that I that I ever made, where I didn't feel good about the company that I was working at at that that previous fall before I got laid off. And the, and I was working for the same uh, the same guy that I that I originally, you know, had me come out to uh, Los Angeles, Scott. And I had the opportunity to. Uh, host on the uh, Sideshow Network, which was the first podcast network that I was uh, a part of before Podcast One, that they were doing a uh, football podcast with uh, uh, with Terrell Owens. He's a football player, Taryn. And <laughs> T.O., you know, they, they wanted somebody to co-host this podcast with, uh, with T.O. And um, it was going to record on Tuesdays. And I felt like that this was going to be a really big opportunity for me to go out and do this. And it was more of what I wanted. I wanted to be podcasting more. And at my, you know, this job that I felt like was sort of a dead end, but I was being well paid at that job. And I was like, well, I need to go do that on on Tuesdays to go. And I, and I told that to my bosses and they were like, no, we're like, we can't like, you can't just like have time off in like the middle of like, what are we going to tell everybody else that that? Oh, uh, Rob is uh, is not here this day because he's uh, do doing podcasts. And they were really just sort of like, you need to choose. You need to decide, you know, if if you're going to like if you're going to you're more excited about the opportunities here or doing podcasts. And I basically like said to them, like, 
uh, like I'd ra- I'd rather do the podcasts. Like, is there any, could could we you know talk about a reduced role? And they ultimately uh, decided that they were going to you know I was going to work like I think three days a week, and then uh, they were going to basically like cut my salary in half. It was a little more than half, but it was basically half. And I went and I told Nicole about this, and 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 she was again very very supportive about the decision, but. I sort of like realized during this time that the trade-off wasn't necessarily equal where, you know, the money that I was missing, you know, hypothetically was better invested in myself than going to go work at a company that I didn't care about how they were ultimately going to do. And so even though in the short term, I missed that money it was a better long-term bet to bet on myself. And now I felt like, okay, well now I have all the hours in the week to be able to put into what I'm doing. And so I felt like that this was an opportunity where I could really try to now for the first time, just, or the first time in a long time, be able to devote all this time, not just into doing the podcast, but there would also be all this time for self-improvement, and I could really do anything. I, I felt like really empowered. And, and this was at the time where I was going to, I got back a hold of uh, Cole from Patreon and said, okay, let's do this. And I, I think I must have been one of the, I don't think I was one of the, the first, like, uh, like, you know, 50 content creators on Patreon, but nobody was doing Patreon almost at that point in time. Like there were very few people on Patreon. And I think that a lot of people that are current patrons, like probably first heard about Patreon when I started doing it. And I didn't know anything about it. There were no sort of like best practices that were out there, but I did a podcast in the beginning of 2014. And I said, look, uh, that I've been laid off from my job and this is what I'm going to do. And I, I think a lot of people ended up getting enrolled in that story and I think that that's an important part of crowdfunding is that, you know, there should be a story of this is a vision that I believe in and what this person is going to try to do. And that so, so many people started to come out of the woodwork and support me. And, and uh, I was so moved by that time. And in, and in the patron group, you know, you'll see the sentiment about how, you know, it, that was really the magical time in terms of like the, the patron group, everybody was so excited and, you know, it's just, you can't keep that enthusiasm up over the long haul, but it was really just a, like uh, the beginning of 2014 was just such a uh, amazing time in terms. And that was right when Kagiyan was getting started. So we just, I, you know, we had uh, so much like good momentum where we, I, I just started this Patreon. I didn't know if it was going to take off. It did. Everybody who was there was excited about what I was doing. And, and people, you know, made all these new friends that, uh, you know, a lot of them are, have, you know, kept those relationships really tight since that point. Uh, that was when we first started the patron cast and started the patron group. So that was, you know, another major milestone in what I've been doing. I remember that podcast uh, where you you made the announcement and I remember being excited 
um, at the time, uh, you know, because it seemed as though you were going to be making more podcasts. And I was very happy for you that um, that this was going to be a full time thing for you. Uh, and I mean, I was still in college and totally broke at the time. So I, I was like, well, I'm not going to mm-hmm. be a patron. <laughs> but um, but I was very excited for you. Uh, and, and I remember that moment. And I, I remember just feeling like this is this is awesome. Um, and so, like, was it was it right away, like immediately as soon as you got on Patreon that you felt like you had all these people and like it had just all took off immediately? No, I felt incredible pressure at that point to now I have people that were paying for the podcast and now I felt like incredible pressure to I need to uh, get more podcasts out and be able to deliver because uh, everybody's going to leave. And, and and my whole life is just like, OK, well, I, I, you know, eventually everybody's going to leave. I'm going to the attic and nobody's going to be left for me uh, pretty soon. And so that, that that's really, you know, how I felt at that time. And so I, I've now come to realize that. I don't think that people are patrons or become patrons because they're paying for the podcasts. And initially I do think that, you know, uh, there might, there might be a a little something of that, but I think that people are uh, ultimately are paying for, you know, the, the, I don't want to say incentives, but sort of like the, uh, the, the community and you know all of the like um you know the the relationships are around the podcast and sort of like wanting to be um you know a part of uh of something and i think that that's really where we've been able to you know make the the patreon special but in terms of like the actual um shows i think it's more that people are paying for what they've already gotten more so than what's going to be coming up. And I think that that was something that I learned along the way. Yeah, I definitely get that sense. You know, even just when we, when we released the, the big brother Two blockumentary audiobook, uh, but first um, I, I, I was included on a lot of, of tweets to you and, and uh, on the page in the patron group where people were just like, we're so happy that you, that you did this and we love this content. Like we want to, like, even though we charge for it, they're like, well, we'd, we'd pay anything for this. We just, we just want to mm-hmm. like reward you for this because we feel, um, uh, we want to support you in, in doing this. Um, and that like, I, that was, that was very heartwarming to me because, uh, you know, we, 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 <laughs> we spent a lot of time working on it and I was very, I was very proud of it. And to, to get that kind of response, that's just like, uh, we really appreciate what you do so much so that, you know, we, we want to, to support you in doing it. Uh, I mean, I, I can only imagine how it feels for you, like making your living off of that, because I feel like that's such a, uh, a wonderful, you know, means of, of making a living to just, you know, put something out into the world that people enjoy so much that they just want to support you in doing that. Uh, it must feel amazing. It really it's it's both things, uh, you know, because you, you get you get stuff like that. And then you also get, you know, uh, the not so nice messages. <laughs> and, uh, you know, it's just that like our our lizard brains are sort of wired to just pay more attention to the stuff of like, uh, you know, the the, pod, the podcast has really uh, gone downhill or you're terrible. You don't know what you're talking about <laughs> uh, and, and, and those sorts of things. But no, it, it is so nice when you uh, do hear from people that here is this thing that you've worked on 
And, you know, I, it really meant a lot to me. It really was something that uh, a piece of content that you made that I really appreciated. Um, and, it, you know, as and, you know, and also people that are like, you know, I, I listened. I was really down. I listened to this whole thing. And, uh, you know, I really appreciate uh, that for, you know, the um, reasons that it was sort of a, a mood booster. You know, it's it, it's it's great. I mean, uh, I. I try not to do too many like, um, you know, I don't want to be like self-congratulatory ever. So I, I don't spend a lot of time like in that space. But, it, it, you know, it, it's great to hear from people. Yeah, I, I mean, as somebody myself, I feel like I I feel like I was almost raised by television and I like I just I consume media like like it's nobody's business because it was always the thing that. It got me through anything in childhood and it was podcasts like yours, like other ones, like the Rooster Teeth podcast was one of the big ones when I first started listening to podcasts. Uh, it was really the Rooster Teeth podcast and this one that I that they were the first two I listened to. And um, it really it was really something that had always been very important in my life and to now be a part of, of creating this. And, and I've gotten messages too about, about the, the audiobook. Like, Hey, I was going through a really rough time. Like my girlfriend broke up with me, but uh, you know, I listened to your audiobook and it really helped me through this. And I can completely relate to that because I do the same stuff. I still do the same stuff. And knowing that I'm a part of that, it, it, it really is special to me. And I don't feel like, um, like I I'm entitled to that, but I feel honored to be a part of it. And, uh, it, it's, it's, it's a really like special experience. And, and I, I owe you that for, for giving me this opportunity. And I really love this, this community that you've built and this platform that you've given all of us, uh, to, to do that on. Well, uh, very much appreciated. I mean, the, the thing that makes me really happy about that is, uh, hearing, uh, in terms of like working on the audio book of, you know, how proud you are of the, the work that we did with that, that has really, uh, been an exciting thing, uh, to hear from you in terms of like, you know, I'm, my, you know, and and again, you know, I should be like examined, uh, thoroughly by some sort of psychiatric professional. But, you know, I'm always like, OK, well, uh, they were just like uh, humoring me that they didn't actually <laughs> like uh, working on it. They were just they, they were just putting up with me uh, that whole time. So it's it's nice to hear that you were uh, at least uh, proud of the work uh, that we did. And, you know, I, I'm I really was uh, inspired by your vision to work on this project because uh, you I don't even know if you remember this, but, you know, we had actually I think it was last summer we had talked about like some ideas about, you know, uh, different ways to sort of branch out a little bit from, you know, what we are focused on with all of the reality talk. And we were talking about like different ideas of sort of whether it would be like a panel show or different interview shows in terms of like being able to showcase like different sides of all of the different, you know, uh, funny or uh, intelligent people that we get to do these podcasts with. And so I was really happy when you had this idea to uh, take on this venture and uh, make this series. Well, thank you. Uh, 
um, <laughs> uh, I feel like we're just congratulating each other at this point. But uh, that <laughs> was as long as you're not congratulating yourself. I think yes. it's OK. Yeah, we'll just we'll continue to, uh, you know, just be very nice to each other. And then, well, yeah, <laughs> let other people say nice things about you. Don't be the person saying all the nice things about yourself. That's one. Of, that's one of my rules that I live by. Uh, I think that's a good rule. Uh, uh, so. Just a, a couple more things about about the podcast. What have been some of your favorite moments in terms of like th- opportunities the podcast have have afforded you or uh, just moments during podcasting? Like what have been your favorite parts of this whole experience? Uh, yeah, you know what? It, that it, it's so hard to like pinpoint different things. I, I, I mean, uh, we've certainly been uh, very lucky with like the access that uh, CBS has uh, given us through different things. I mean, it really started my, my whole relationship with CBS. Um, it was sort of like a favor that somebody was doing to even get us on exit interviews where there was a person who used to run the like uh, the exit interviews and he like got me on like as a favor on like the international uh like day where i was like the like literally like the last person like they would talk to on like a tuesday and uh that person ended up uh leaving cbs and um they, they uh, i think it was unexpectedly uh that uh he didn't know he was going to be leaving cbs Ooh. and so then, then the next person that came on is like hey, why wait, why are you on this day you should be on this day it's like uh, okay and and that was really how i ended up like in the regular rotation on the exit interviews and that was 7 years ago uh and since then i feel like i have earned like the uh, the trust of, you know, everybody in publicity over there, because I don't think that I am a, uh, you know, a softball question asker, but I do think that I am a respectful question asker. And I think that's really, um, you know, all that you need to do. And so I've been, you know, had the opportunity to go to the uh, Big Brother backyard uh, last season, which was uh, a pretty cool treat for me to somebody who once upon a time, like wanted nothing more than to go to the Big Brother house. And I've been to, you know, all sorts of the uh, Survivor finales. So I've just had a a lot of, um, you know, uh, really exciting opportunities because of what I'm doing, something that's coming up. In a couple of weeks is I'm going to be a guest on the Adam Carolla show to promote uh, what we're doing on Game of Thrones over on post show recap. So that's another as somebody who is, you know, a huge talk radio and podcast fan. You know, that's a really big thrill for me just to even go and check out like what they're doing over there. And, you know, I'm not the biggest uh, like Carolla listener in the world of, but you know, as somebody who's been a long time listener of that show, that's just a really exciting thing to do. So, I mean, there's it's so many cool things that are sort of like beyond my wildest imagination of what we would ever uh, get to do. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I have that experience myself, you know, when I, when you put out the call for, you know, big brother live feed correspondence, I was like, uh, I had the idea for my video and I, I knew it could be a good one. And I was like, I, I'm, I'm going to get a chance to talk to Rob. And then like, maybe, I'll get a chance to talk to like some big brother players. And then also maybe I can talk to Dom and Colin. That would be awesome. Mm-hmm. Uh, like, and now, you know, I go and I meet these people and I, and I hang out with them and, and, and like, I, I'm a part of this podcast. Like it's, it's all like far beyond what I, what I even could have imagined. And it's, it's just been awesome. Um, yeah. 
it's something that you mentioned that I know is is I think something that probably has been a point of contention for a while for you is this idea of, you know, softball questions versus, you know, putting the screws to somebody uh, and maintaining this relationship with CBS. Is that something that you find is a difficult uh, like line to walk? Mm, no, I don't think it's a difficult line to walk, but it it's definitely a, uh, like it's a lazy attack of you know that i just don't know like this is not where you know we're we're not like a right wing left wing uh talk radio where <laughs> we you need to keep up a level of decorum if you were going like i get from the beginning of interviewing survivors People have gotten on my case going back to I think that Nayanka was the first was the first one. People wanted me to just like uh, just excoriate Nayanka and Purple Kelly for quitting the game. And you can't do an exit interview like that, that, that you, they will hang up the phone <laughs> that if you want to get an answer from somebody. You know, you need you need to be able to, you know, have you first off, you want to try to put the person at some level of ease or, uh, you know, maybe not comfort, but at least feel like, okay, they are in a safe enough place where they can have a conversation with you. And then you want to be able to, you know, ask them the tough questions. And again, I'm not saying that. I am the greatest interviewer or, you know, I certainly wasn't, you know, the further back you go, but you need to, you know, stay civil with with a person and with an interview subject if you want to get an answer. Yeah, I, and I, I really do think that uh, I, I agree with you in terms of I think I see that criticism in most podcasts uh like i know i listened to the nerdist which is uh an interview podcast um and i know that that chris hardwick gets you know he gets a ton of flack like oh you're too nice to your guests you're such a you know you you uh you suck too many kneecaps mm -hmm. um, and, uh, and, and i listen to podcasts too where i i hate it when they are really just like uh, going over the top uh, in terms of like sucking up to the guests. Uh, and, and I feel like that I, I try to pride myself in that I don't do that with the guests either. I, I agree. I, I really think especially uh, I mean, your your Big Brother Backyard interviews, uh, I thought were fantastic in terms of, uh, you know, just like the people that, you know, that maybe need a little bit of of prodding you, you 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 threw some under the radar jokes at them and um you know like i i really feel like you even when you really like somebody you don't go over the top in terms of praising them if anything like i have been over the top in praising you in this part maybe i'll get this criticism now uh taryn you're why do you kiss oh, uh rob's uh <laughs> right <laughs> But to me, that I feel like while I am always appreciative to the person that's going to come on and talk to me, and, and, and especially in the case of somebody who is coming on in a tough spot, like I'll, I'll really like, uh, you know, I really appreciate that they came on the podcast and didn't just blow off the interview. And that and that's only happened a couple of times where somebody was such a bad sport that they couldn't even like uh, bring themselves to do the exit interview with me. 
But I think that you, there, you, you have to be strategic about how you're going to handle these different interviews with the reality stars because that the reality star tends to have a thin skin. Um, it is often, you know, a good move to sort of like, you know, uh, in, try to like endear yourself to the, to that person. Uh, so, you know, a compliment can be a uh, effective uh, weapon in in terms of trying to get onto, uh, you know, have a rapport uh, with somebody. And so, you know, it, it's it's maybe, uh, you know, it's there's no exact science to it. And you only have 15 minutes sometimes. So, you know, you want to get as much information as you can. And I, I don't like to make it about me and sort of uh, be hey, you know, here's what, I'm, you know, my opinion of you. I'd rather, I, I feel like that the person listening kind of wants answers to certain questions, but it, it's really tough with quitters. Anybody who quits and then does an exit interview, the audience just wants their head on a silver platter. And it's just not something that I'm, I, I feel is my role in that spot to, you know, take this time that CBS has allotted me to, you know, give somebody, you know, a thousand lashes over the phone. <laughs> yeah. And, and for what it's worth, I agree with you. And I know that I know that I'm sure there are uh, some people that don't. I think those are generally like the minority of people that really just want to see these people punished. I the think, vocal minority. Exactly. Yeah. I think those are the people that are also going to be like tweeting angry things at these people uh, generally. Um, or maybe they just want you to do it for them. Uh, who knows? Um, but, uh, but yeah, I, I, like, well, that's the great thing about social media, Taryn, where it used to be, <laughs> and maybe this has changed where the, you know, the angry person used to need me to <laughs> be sort of their cat's paw to go out and say hateful things to reality stars. But now the beauty of social media is that it is the great equalizer. Now anybody can say whatever they want to any person. There you go. <laughs> Including me, especially me. Yeah. Well, hopefully, hopefully people don't think I was too easy on you here. Uh, maybe I need to uh, like uh, be meaner toward you uh, toward the end. I, I really uh, I really was just phoning it in for the audiobook, Just, so you know, um, I was okay. just blowing it that's up. That's fine. Yeah, <laughs> that, that's fine. Well, but I would say that if you are going to have, you know, interesting, you know, hopefully meaningful conversations with people, I, I don't think that confrontation is going to help <laughs> with that effort. So uh, I think that that is uh, fine to be effusive with your praise in uh, a conversation like this. Yeah, I, I agree. And and I really uh, I'm I'm really interested in just exploring uh these people I, I mean this has been a really fascinating conversation for me talking to you this is all stuff that i have always been curious about and that i'm obviously i don't maybe it's just me maybe i'll release this podcast and i'll be the only one that thinks it's amazing because uh because it really is relevant to me in terms of i am a podcaster and i'm really interested in how you got to where you are because i really love this stuff and i i really uh you and you inspire me in a lot of ways and so i'm very curious about you know the, the the different things that we talked about like how you maintain your discipline your motivation like how you got to where you are the audience building the community um this is all stuff that that i have i i'm really interested in i'm really just so glad that you uh you shared it with me uh and i hope that other people find it interesting as well well i i appreciate that and i do hope that 
people listening to this uh, see, you know, hear my story of, you know, what has gone on over here for the last seven or eight years and realize that there is a lot of ramifications that, uh, you know, relate to this that aren't necessarily about building a podcast, whatever you are trying to do, whatever your goal is in your life. I, I am a, a big believer in that you can accomplish what you want to do as long as you set that goal. But in addition to setting that goal, make daily strides towards attaining that goal. So don't just wish for it, but then put in the work every single day to get to that thing that you want to do or become. And eventually there there is no shortcut. You will uh, get to where you want to be. And just to bring it full circle with what you're doing and tying it back to what we talk about on the main podcast, I, I believe that reality TV is really the study of people and personalities at its heart. And yes, uh, we spend a lot of time on the strategy and a lot of time on the big moves and the twists, but at its heart, people who love reality TV are people who love the stories of people and getting to know all of these different interesting personalities and characters is what should be at the heart of this fandom. So I really think that that's something that probably attracted to you to reality shows in the first place. And I think that that is sort of a, a parallel pursuit to what you're trying to do here on this podcast. Absolutely. You put it so eloquently. Uh, I mean, that's absolutely why I got into to reality TV. It's why I, I love all of this. I, I just love studying, you know, different people and, and like learning what makes them tick. And, you know, I, I think you are a fascinating case of that, like learning how you got to where you are and what what motivates you, what you know keeps you going. And um, I, I mean, I, it's it's very interesting to me and I hope it's interesting to other people. Uh, so, yeah. So thank you so much for anyone that checked this out. I know it's uh, if this shows up in your podcast feed as the Terran show, uh, you might be very skeptical at first. Um, but if you check this out and you listened all the way through, I really want to thank you. This has been something that I've been uh, working on for a little while now, and I'm very excited to to release it. And I hope that I'm going to be able to get you some more interviews on the way uh, with some very interesting people that I'm very excited to talk to uh, and about. So you can go to robhasawebsite.com slash Terran show if you want to find it there. You can leave a comment and listen. You can also use that to subscribe on iTunes if you click on the iTunes link. And for the very first episode of this podcast, we will just go with uh, hashtag Terran show. If you if you made it all the way through and you want How to about comment. in honor of uh, me being the uh, uh, hashtag Terran has a podcast. Oh, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> Okay. Uh, do we have a lot of puns and uh, wordplay we could do about uh, T H A P? Fat. Yeah. It's like a sound effect for uh, like a comic book. Right. I, and you people say, hey, I'm going to tap that. And that's <laughs> that, that means that you're going to do a podcast about it. So if you like uh, meet somebody out, you can say to your friend, like, hey, one day I'm going to tap that. <laughs> and like, oh, really? You're going to do a podcast with that person? Like, yeah. Yeah. You better believe it. See, this is the uh, the marketing expertise that I need to provide. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. I, I mean, because I, I mean, I I feel like that 
at the core of like, uh, you know, where, when I say like, okay, well, this will be a good idea to market it. Like it has to also be, you know, uh, make some sense, but then also be stupid enough that it's funny. Yeah. So I feel like that this is a great example. Like, like, uh, you know, uh, Rahap is like, uh, is a, is a terrible acronym. <laughs> it sounds like you would never say it, but that's why it is a funny word to say. And so, I feel like that when I come up with something that sort of like is descriptive, but also stupid enough to like uh, make you like uh, like a snicker at least about it. That's when I feel like I've really, you know, hit a home run. Well, I, I hope that the Terran show is is stupid enough for people to snicker at it because that's what I wanted. <laughs> OK, good. <laughs> Mission accomplished. I feel like I feel like it, it fits my persona of like the arrogant asshole. <laughs> <laughs> that that's your persona? A little bit. Mm, I don't know. Uh, some, sometimes uh, maybe you, you have uh, uh, that, uh, you know, a, l- a little bit. But I don't know. Uh, I don't know if uh, arrogant a-hole is really, <laughs> uh, you know, if somebody was going to describe you, I don't think that that would really uh, be in the first uh, 30 words people came up with. I, I mean, I think most people uh, recognize that it's like when I'm doing my draft uh, for Big Brother 19 yeah. and I'm constantly throwing it in everyone's face. Uh, I think most people, I, I at least I hope, recognize that it's a shtick. Yeah, <laughs> I had gotten a lot of uh, pushback. Uh, I had said uh, to Brent on one of the podcasts that we did recently about how, you know, I felt like, uh, all right, can we cool it with the draft talk? And people like uh, I got uh, some pushback on that in terms of because I say that, you know, I don't know how many people actually care about the draft. The one thing that I did hear from people, no, people care if Taryn is going to lose. the draft. (laughs) So if it's sort of in that context, uh, that is the the case where people uh, would like to see Taryn take a fall on that. So that that is what I heard from people. So they would like to hear more about Taryn losing the draft. Yes, I'm the villain of the I have to just keep setting myself up for a glorious fall eventually and then it'll be glorious. Uh, But I just keep winning. They can't stop me. People love a dynasty. Yeah. Um, so, uh, so if you, if you made it all the way through this, uh, hashtag Taryn has a podcast and or T-H-A-P, uh, mm-hmm. to tap or thap, which, whichever you prefer. <laughs> to hap. To hap. Yeah. Um, so uh, yes, thank you so much for joining us. I really, I really hope you enjoyed this. Uh, I will be back with regular episodes with regular interviews with, uh, all the people that you either love or hate or just curious about. So make sure you stay tuned. And I will see you next time.